Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. How's everybody this morning? All right, good deal. Good to have you guys with us today. Um, just quickly before we get started, um, keep you guys in mind we're doing something until the end of December called the Expand Project. And what we want to do is actually we're going to be paving our side parking lot over here. You're seeing work being done on that. Um, the big picture goal is this. We want to be able to continue to expand at Thrive to be able to, to reach people and to be able to help people uh, to make disciples. And so if you feel led um, on the back, there's a little uh, black table there in our, our Thrive Central. You can get an Expand Project uh, giving card. And just pray what God would have you give. There's no gimmicks. I don't have any singing angels in the back to give you that sing bringing in the sheets. Um, I don't have any magic anointing oil to give you if you, if you give to the Expand Project. And I'm not going to give you any special seats either. Um, there's no golden plaque. So it's between you and God. Um, if you want to do that, I can guarantee though that you're, you're giving into good ground. Um, but pray about that. We're doing that to the end of uh, December. We're going to have a, uh, an incredible Hulk on the wall. Uh, next week. So you see the Incredible Hulk, you're like thinking, why is there an Incredible Hulk on the wall? Because he's expanding, right? Remember, he would expand and break out of his clothes. And so we're going to help give the Incredible Hulk clothes to the best of our ability. Uh, we may draw them all. We may actually put some on. The next phase we do, whenever that is, I have no clue. The staff came up with a great idea. They're going to take me, they're going to take my head, and they're going to take a picture of it and do one of those big, big wall head things. And they're going to, with my bald head, as people raise money, they're going to get, put hair on my head, and eventually I will have, they said they'll give me a mullet. And so I've, I was like, dang, if we had done that first, we could have, I said, I'll save that for the big project. We'll do the Incredible Hulk for this one. So you'll get to give me a mullet. How fun does that sound? Because I hate mullets. So you get to do that. Um, go ahead and turn your copy of God's Word to Revelation 3, verse 7. If you're a first-time guest with us today, I want to say thank you for being here. You can turn in your guest card to the blue basket over by the flat screen TV so we can stay in touch with you and let you know all the cool things happening at Thrive. Revelation 3, 7. Let's pray. God, this morning we ask for your blessing on your word. We pray, God, that as we read your word and break it open, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage every person here. And God, they would leave with perspective on who you are and how you work in our situations. Uh, So God, today uh, we just give this to you. We thank you that we can continue to worship you uh, in your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at the church of Philadelphia and we're going to look at injustice. And we're going to see God as the picture of being just and supreme. There's actually a Supreme Court justice named Horace Gray. And he had a man come through his court on a lower level and he got released on a technicality. And so Supreme Court Justice Gray looks at the man. He says, son, I know you're guilty and you know you're guilty. This courtroom knows you're guilty. He says, laws are temporary and our systems may fail on earth, but God's justice will prevail. Well, actually a little, little later, a year later, this man was looting homes in Belgium. As he was looting homes there, uh, the police raided through the front door. And this man here goes and jumps out the back door, climbs a nine-foot wall, and lands in the city prison. 
God's justice will prevail. Uh, the city that we're going to look at today is called Philadelphia. We don't know a lot about them, but we do know they were facing a lot of injustice in the first century. The, the church of Philadelphia and the city of Philadelphia is not in Pennsylvania, just so you know. Because some of y'all are like, oh yeah, cool, Philly, Philly, that's right. I know all about Philly. The Eagles, no, it, there was no, it's in the Middle East. Okay, so just to help you in a good geography lesson so you aren't thinking you know, all excited and after service you come say, ah, I actually grew up in Philadelphia. Because I grew up in Turkey. But my Turkey is North Carolina and the one we talked about a while back is in the Middle East. So just so you get your geography lesson down. What we do know about that city is this. Not a lot, but we know that Atlas Philadelphia, king of Pergamon, built the city uh, several, uh, you know, 500 BC or so. And he built the city. It was actually built near a fault line. So the bad thing about living in Philadelphia was you had earthquakes all the time. So ladies, can you imagine you get all, like my wife right now is getting all the house just put together. We just moved in in April, getting everything nailed on the walls. You nail everything on the wall. And then, and it all falls down. That would be aggravating, wouldn't it? Could you imagine, husbands, that your wife's like, honey, there's a crack in the wall again. And you're having to spackle and caulk almost every week and repaint. That would be aggravating, wouldn't it? Uh, well, the Church of Philadelphia faced a lot of earthquakes. They were kind of a, um, when you look at it, nothing really important about the city uh, that, that we know of that would bring to our attention. But we do see some things that Jesus says to the Church of Philadelphia that gives us insight. So let's look at Revelation 3-7 today. And we'll, we'll kind of dig into this and see what Jesus has to say to this church. Verse 7, he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is a message from the one who is holy and true. Every time Jesus announces himself to a church, he, he shares a title with them of who he is. This is the only time that the title in the New Testament is used for Jesus, which is holy and true. That means he's set apart. The word holy means literally to set apart for special use. Meaning this, guys, Jesus is not a higher power. He is the highest power. He's the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the God among gods. And he is, he is not some other God among gods. He is the one holy and he is the one that is true. Somebody probably should have said amen there if you're a Christian, but I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep moving. Um, yeah. <laughs> he says this. <laughs> you guys are slow this morning. The cold weather has affected your brains. Um, the one, he says this, the one who has the key of David. Now watch this here. He says, what he opens, no one cannot close. And what he closes, no one can open. Now Isaiah 22, 22, if you want to jot this in your notes, this is actually a, Jesus quotes an Old Testament verse about himself. Several thousand years earlier, the prophet Isaiah writes some stuff about Jesus. And watch what he says in Isaiah 22, 22. This is God speaking prophetically about Jesus. I will give him the key to the house of David, the highest position in the royal court. That's very important. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Isn't that cool? That Jesus quotes Isaiah 22, 22, and kind of confirming he is the, the, the promised Messiah there. And really, here's the big picture is that he is the one who is in authority. He has control. He holds the keys. He's letting them know that. Verse 8. He says, I know all the things that you do. Now remember he tells every church that. Friends, he knows everything in your life that's going on. You didn't come to church today. People are like, if I come in church, lightning may strike me. Dude, God knows your thoughts everywhere all the time. And he still loves you. That's pretty awesome, right? 
He, I mean, okay, um, he knows my thoughts and he still loves me. And so anyway, he knows all the things that they were doing. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's happening here even at Thrive Church, everything. And here's what he says to them. I know the things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and you did not deny me. They had been very faithful to serving Jesus. Verse 9 says, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. Now this is the whole theme of the New Testament. When you read Galatians and Romans and all this, the whole idea is law versus grace. And the reason Jesus says this about the Jews here is because there was Judaizers. And what they were telling Christians is this. That's great you believed upon Jesus as your Messiah, but here's the deal. You've got to believe all 613 laws. And you've got to do all of our, 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 our Passovers and our, uh, all those deals. You've got, to do, you've got to become Jewish to be a Christian. And so many believers, even Jewish Christian believers, are saying, actually, no, we don't, and the Gentiles don't have to do that. And matter of fact, your Pharisees aren't our rulers anymore. So the Jews got upset, and here's what happened. The Jews would go to Roman rulers, and they would say, do you understand that these Christians say they have a king, and he's not Caesar? saying Caesar's not their king. So Rome, guess what you have to do? You have to torment them. You have to put them in prison and some of them have to be put to death. I mean, these were, these were Jewish brothers and sisters. I mean, you grew up with the same rabbi in the same synagogue having bar mitzvahs together. And now they're turning you over to be killed. And Jesus says they're not real Jews. They're of the synagogue of Satan. So you understand that's one of the whole battles of the New Testament as you read it. He says, they will acknowledge that you are the ones that I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. Now you got to realize what's happening here also is that in the second century, this is first century, one of the greatest testings for believers ever was getting ready to happen. There was an emperor named Nero. And when Nero was going to take over, and when he did take over, he would burn Christians at the stake. They would take believers, they would take Christians. You think it's hard being a Christian this day and time? Think about it then. Um, they would take Christians and they would put them into to, to the, the gladiator coliseums and they would let lions tear them apart for pure entertainment and joy. That's what it was to be a Christian. He was saying, look guys, I'll protect you. I don't know what, I guess the church of Philadelphia had a special protection. I don't know exactly, but he promises them because they persevered, he would protect them from the testing that is to come. And look what he says in verse 11, and this is Jesus saying this. He says, I am coming soon. Now, could you imagine living in the first century? Guys, that was 20 centuries ago. That's 2,000, that's a long time, isn't it? None of you remember that. I don't care how old you are in here. <laughs> Could you imagine reading these words, the, the, the elder of the church at Philadelphia standing up and saying, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. I mean, soon, like if your wife texts you and says, when you'll be home and you say soon, you assume that's within the next 30 minutes, right? You assume that's soon. 2,000 years later, he's not come yet. And that's what the whole book of First and Second Thessalonians is all about. These guys were getting freaked out. They're like, look, dude, we're dying. We're being killed and Jesus isn't back yet. So Paul addresses that. But realize here, we are in latter days. Well, we do realize that. There are, there are signs and things you can read in the Bible that we are in the end times. But they believed they were in the end times too. 
and they had to fight through tribulation. So realize, when did the last days start? Does anybody know when the last days started? It started at the cross. And we're still in the last days today. Now, and now, 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 common sense tells you as time gets closer, and the further we go, the closer we're going to get to Jesus coming back. And that's just, a, that's just true. Do I know when he's coming back? No. And if you find a church that can tell you exactly when, then you may be in trouble. And if they are selling Kool-Aid in their cafe, do not drink it. <laughs> I am coming soon. He says, hold on to what you have. In other words, you've got to hold on to what you got in the great words of the prophet John Bon Jovi. Hold on to what you got. See, you, see, you didn't know that, that the Lord was using John Bon Jovi to, to speak scripture, did you? So every time you hear that song now, you're thinking about the church of Philadelphia. He says, so that no one will take away your crown. Now watch the promise here he gives to every church, and this is for Philadelphia. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. They will never have to leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that come down from heaven and earth. And I will also write on them my new name. Now Jesus is referencing Revelation 21 and 22. Um, the next series we're doing is called The End. We're going to do it during Christmas time. This is fun. Bring all your friends. Um, and what we're going to uh, talk about one of the, the sermons I do, I think it's the third week, I'm going to do Revelation in 30 minutes. The whole book. <laughs> And when you read Revelation 21 and 22, it speaks about the, uh, behold, I saw the new heavens and the new, uh, new Jerusalem come to earth. Do you understand that earth will be restored? That we'll have an awesome earth? Like right now it's marred by sin, but, but, but one day the Grand Canyon will be even grander than it is now. It'll be cool. I'm like, hey baby, you want to go hike the Grand Canyon? Yeah, let's go. That's going to be awesome. It'll all be new. It'll be beautiful once again. Now, see, he also says he'll give you a new name. And he'll do. It. I don't know what the new name is. Again, there's, there's no, there's no. Jesus doesn't tell us. I don't even know what his new name's gonna be. And again, if you find out, then you've uncovered things that scholars for two thousand years have not uncovered. So you may be wrong. Um, but on that, here's what I do know: we'll all be new. I will have hair. I will be taller. I'll be a shot caller and I'll be a baller. In heaven, we will all be new. You know, you won't look like you do now. You won't even recognize me. And you have a new name. I'm hoping my name will be Awesome. So you can just call me Awesome. Say, so, hey, Awesome, how's it going? So, I'm doing great. I'm enjoying heaven. But read Revelation 21 and 22. Um, if the dragons freak you out, read that and it'll give you consolation. Uh, verse 13 says this. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. The big idea I want to share with you today is this about the church of Philadelphia. God is just and his justice will prevail. Write that in your notes and your talk notes that you got today. God is just and his justice will prevail. See, the church at Philadelphia had no criticisms. Some churches, Jesus put them on blast, right? I mean, called them out. Here, there's no criticism. You almost sense a little bit of compassion from Jesus for this poor little church at Philadelphia. I mean, they had hung in there, man. They had persevered. Um, if you're from the South, and today I did a test and it worked. There's one family at our Richmond campus that's from Turkey, North Carolina. That knows my, knows my whole family. There's only 300 people in Turkey. They actually, yeah, they're there. I mean, they, it's crazy. They found the church and didn't know. It was awesome. Like, I'm kin to you. I know you. Everybody in Turkey's kin. So, um, this is not good. But, uh, but at any rate, I, I said this. I said, I, I did a test to find out who had heard this saying before. But like the Church of Philadelphia had hung in there. And when I grew up, my grandmother would say, well, he's hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. Anyone ever hear that before? 
Only the people from Turkey had ever heard of that. So I'll let you into some of our language from Turkey. That's what the church at Philadelphia had done. They had hung in there like a hair in a biscuit. They wouldn't give up. They wouldn't quit fighting. And Jesus said, I am going to come to your rescue. See, here's what was happening. They, they felt like they were losing a, a, a fight in a losing battle. We felt like that. You're fighting a losing battle. Maybe at a job or your marriage or with a, with a disease you're facing or with a, with a friendship. And you just feel like you're facing a losing battle. And that's what the church of Philadelphia really felt like. Man, we just can't win for losing. And I think all of us could identify with this church today in our life. Sometimes you feel like injustice is happening. Why did they get the promotion and I've been passed over? Why does it seem like that every time when it's my turn for something to happen, it always goes wrong. Why is it that I get out of debt then I get right back in it again because I can't pay for something that comes up? Maybe you're in a dispute in the court of law. It seems like the other person's winning. You're like, I don't understand why this is happening. But I really believe that today we can all look at the church of Philadelphia and realize that Jesus will prevail in a situation. Ultimately, God's justice will prevail. I mean, if you read the book of Habakkuk, and if you're wondering how do you say that, to say a back kick. And that's the easy way to say it, especially teenagers in here. You've learned a, a book of the Bible. Habakkuk, I love that story because Habakkuk is literally like raising his fist toward God in chapter 1. And he's like, God, why are the Babylonians prospering? The Jews are in exile. We're in captivity. We're your people. Why do the wicked prosper? Why do evil people get good things to happen to them? See, and that's why if you believe in karma, karma's not a Christian doctrine. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard if you're a Christian. You don't, you don't believe. Because so, I'm going to tell you something. There's wicked people on this earth that are succeeding. And they will succeed to the day that they die. It has been and it always will be. So on earth, sometimes there's not retribution, guys. Sometimes it seems like the wicked win. And you're like, well, how does that happen? But you've got to realize something. We will all stand before God, uh, before God one day. And, and the retribution at that point will come from God's, God's judgment. So Habakkuk was like, why is this happening? Why are the wicked prospering and good folks are being passed over? Today what I want to do is ask, answer this question that's in your talk notes. How do I stand firm when I'm being faced with injustice? How do I stand firm when I'm being faced with injustice? In other words, how do I not kill folks that are driving me crazy? Because you know at your job you want to go homicidal on some people and you're praying. God, I will put him in that, that chokehold I saw on WWE when I was a kid. And I will not let go if they don't leave me alone. So how do you stand firm when being faced with injustice? Here's the first uh, point to write in your notes today. The first one is this. Focus on the supremacy of Christ. Focus on the supremacy of Christ. In Revelation 3, 7, Jesus says he holds the keys. He opens doors. He closes doors. And so ultimately, God is the one who dictates seasons. Jesus is supreme and Jesus rules. And some of you are wondering, why is the door not opening? Why did that door shut? And what I can tell you is this, Jesus is supreme. Oh, you know, when, when my wife and I were in Florida and we knew it was time to transition, we, we knew God had called us out as a, as a long process. You know, it's very a confusing time. I went to, um, you know, put my resume out at churches. And man, I, I, have, I have lots of degrees and have all that good stuff. I really worked hard and tried hard and a lot of experience. And there's about over 50, 60 churches, wouldn't you say, sweetheart? I mean, I just applied every day. It's like somewhere new, somewhere new. So I knew, it was, and you know what? No one called me back. Nobody. 
Now that's, a, that, that's an esteem hitter, isn't it? I'm thinking, God, why aren't you opening the right door? Did I make the wrong? I mean, I was just questioning myself and I was going through the rigmarole over and over again. God, why? God, why? And I came to the point right when I just really said, you know what? Jesus opened doors that no man can open. He'll shut doors no man can shut. And I got a call for this Richmond situation to launch a new church here at this campus here in Richmond. Friends, let me tell you something. I am so thankful. My wife and I are so thankful that God opened this door and that God closed those doors. And you've got to realize in, in, in your life, now, now you've got to help me out. Now you can't do golf claps at Thrive. Either it's like, you have more of this than you can. It's like, on, the, on the nine, he just, he just, he just sunk the birdie putt. stupid. I would have had us in Alaska somewhere and I'd be, why is it so freezing here? You know, I'd just be I would hate life. And you've got to realize that, that, that when you go through those times, you don't understand why doors aren't opening and why doors are shutting that Jesus is supreme and he, he holds the keys to that. Here's the second point this morning. How do I stand when facing injustice in my life? Be consistent and be faithful. Be consistent and be faithful. See, Jesus encouraged them and promised to protect them because they had hung in there like a hair in a biscuit. They just wouldn't quit. They wouldn't stop, man. They're like, you know, I, I won't continue to serve Jesus and, and love Jesus. And, and let me say this. There's sometimes you just need to be consistent and faithful. God, what else do I need to do? He's saying, just hang in there. Just hang. Do not quit. See, some of you are right around the curve to your best season. And if you quit now and you give up now, you may never see that season. Hang in there. Um, when I look at potential leaders, the best potential leaders are not those who can talk the most. It's those who do the small things consistently over time. John Maxwell in leadership development calls it the law of the process. See, we love events, don't we? Whoo, church was good today. It changed my life, you know? No, it didn't. What changed your life is consistently doing devotions daily and seeking God daily and doing things. See, you are what you do daily. Not what you do every now and then. Somebody who's in great shape has to do it daily to be that way unless they're just, unless they just are, are, are make me sick because they, they can eat anything they want to. That's a whole other thing. But I have, to, I have to work hard to keep this round figure. So realize that you are what you do daily. Consistency. Be faithful. Be faithful. And, and you got to understand this. God is the one who's your ultimate boss. As I said before. He's watching you. And I'm not, not saying it in a bad way. Like, he's watching you. Like he's, he's watching. He sees what you do. He sees your faithfulness. He sees when you're sitting there working and the person on the other computer is playing solitaire. And hopefully that's not you. Some of you are like, uh-oh. Um, so he sees that and he knows that. Be consistent and be faithful and God will reward you according to that. See, they're the most consistent church out of all the seven. And they had no rebukes. Here's your third and final point this morning. How do you stand when facing injustice? Number three is let God be your advocate. Let God be your advocate. Jesus says in verse 10, paraphrase, that he's the one that will protect them. He's the one that will give them rewards. He will stand on their behalf. And when you're facing injustice sometimes, and you're facing a situation where it seems like the wicked are prospering and they're, they're really getting one over on you, there's times you want to be your own advocate, right? It's like, you know, um, 
God can be merciful, but I, I'm going to have vengeance. And we want to step out and we want to try to prove ourselves and we want to try to, to, to say, God, I'm going to step in. I'm going to make this thing happen. That's how I am. I will open my own doors and shut my own doors and I just need you to kind of be there to help me if I need it. But that's not what God needs from us. You let God be your advocate. Don't fight on those people's terms. There are people that, that, that you're in disputes with and that, that you're, in, you're in trouble and, you, and you're wanting to fight. You know why? Because many of us... We view God, there's different views of God, and I've shared this before, some's the butler, one's the sheriff, but one of the views of God is the heavenly grandfather, who's in his rocking chair in heaven. He's a wise old man, he's got a big white beard, he's very wise and smart, but he probably can't help you if you're in trouble. He doesn't really intervene with stuff, because if he does, he'll get beat up. And a lot of us believe that God's this heavenly grandfather who probably can't do a whole lot for us. See, our God is not a heavenly grandfather. He never gets old. He never grows weary. He never grows tired. He's never lost a battle. Our God is all-powerful. And so why should you stand up and try to be your own advocate when God can be your advocate? See, in the Old Testament, I love when the Lord tells Jehoshaphat, he says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Really, God? There's, 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 there's people with, with spears and chariots. And you want me to stand still? That seems stupid. But sometimes that's what you have to do. And watch God be your advocate. See, in the, in the 20, early 20th century, there were, there were two countries that were fighting. One of them had tanks, and the other one had pretty much rifles. It was really out, outmatched situation, right? I mean, if you're in a war, do you want tanks or rifles? Okay, good. Uh, most of you answered correctly. Uh, if, if you answered rifles, our prayer team will be available for you after the service to pray for you and help you. Pray for common sense. Um, but actually in this battle, you're thinking, how does an army with, with rifles beat an army with tanks? And here's what they did. They would line up their, their snipers in trees. Far covered, couldn't see them. And what they would do about every five minutes is they would shoot the top of the hatch. And so eventually, after three or four hours of this, it's driving the tank guys crazy. They're going to they're pop out with the binoculars to see what's going on. And when they pop out, guess what happens? Drops them. Drops them. Drops them. And then they would take the tanks over. And they had tanks too. See, you got to realize something. You're, you're just like the guy in the tank. You're in God's favor. You're in God's covering. You're protected. And what the enemy wants you to do so many times when you're going through injustice or you're facing something, he wants you to pop your head out and put your nose in, into, into stuff your nose shouldn't be in. And the moment you do, pop, he hits you. You're like, man, man, you know, I fell. I did this. I did that. This happened. And you try to be your own advocate. The best thing you can do is stay in that tank and let God be your advocate. Maybe you need to fire some, let God fire some rounds off into the trees or something. But don't fight on the enemy's terms. Don't stoop to their level. See, most people, especially if you were in the workforce, you know this. And I have worked plenty of jobs. I haven't done this my whole life. So I, I know where you're at, what you're facing. They, 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 they put others down to make themselves look better. And they want to draw you into that. Will you start doing that to others? Don't do that. 
When people are talking bad about you and people are lying about you, people are doing those things to you, you stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He will come to your rescue. His justice will prevail. He will reign supreme in your injustice. Close with this story. I was on a ferry ride. My wife from um, when we were in the islands on a Sunday morning, we were going from St. Thomas to St. John. And no, I was not at church on that Sunday morning in the islands. I was praying for y'all desperately that you'd have a good church. I won't at church. I was on a ferry going to St. John to go kayak and snorkel. Um, the whole time interceding on behalf of you. But on that ride over in the ferry, we were flipping radio stations. We got to one station. This lady was yelling on this radio station. You know if you hear somebody yelling, you just stop to see what's going on, right? If you're in Walmart and people are yelling, you know you stop. And you, you're, you're just kind of throwing stuff in the basket looking to see, what are they yelling at? Try it. I mean, just start yelling at Walmart. Everybody come to your attention. And so this lady's yelling on the, on the radio. I mean, she's... And so we stopped to listen to it. And, and when we began to listen, I don't know if it was at a church or what it was, but she was giving a, a speech or a sermon. And she worked in the court of law in some, some respect. Um, don't know to what level, but she was really angered about a Ferguson shooting. She was, I mean, she, you just tell the, I mean, she was just, and you know, as I sat there and listened, what I realized, and I felt the Lord laid this in my heart, he said, do you hear the plea and the cry for justice? Do you hear that? Yeah. And my wife and I were talking about it. And after we got done um, and, and let our ears calm down from the hollering, um, you know, we, we, we talked about it a little bit. And, you know, and, and what I realized was this. There's some things we, we will not be served justice, guys, until we stand before God. You may, you may lose a battle in the court of law. You may be wronged. You may have people do you. But I'm going to tell you something. We will all stand before Jesus. And that's not being mean and trying to put you fear. That should be encouraging. Because the greatest kings of the earth, the greatest presidents of the earth, and the man on the side of the street who just, who just needs a dollar will all stand in front of God. Naked. Nothing. God's justice will prevail. You may not see justice on this earth with things, but I promise you, his justice will prevail. His justice will prevail. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. As you stand to your feet, I want you just to close your eyes in here. As you, with your eyes closed, I, some of you are facing some things that you feel like, God, where are you at? Why is the wicked prospering? Why am I being passed over? I don't understand. And it seems like there's injustice happening. And with, with your eyes closed, I want you to take a second to focus on your situation. What is it that you walked in here with? That you're seeing some injustice happen. And you're like, God, I don't understand. Timothy's going to sing and, and, and play for us in a second. As he does, I want you to, to focus on Jesus and understanding that he will reign supreme. That should give you peace and give you contentment. But I want to pray for you before Timothy leads us in worship. God, this morning, there are many of us that are facing situations where it seems like the wicked are prospering, the enemy's winning, the disease is taking over, we're getting passed over for promotions. Our child is locked up in the, in, 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 we, in, in the system there and we can't get, get, get full custody. Whatever it is that we're facing today. And we're secretly shaking our fist at you and it's okay. You can handle it. So God, I pray today that as we worship 
this one last time together, that Jesus, we would focus on your supremacy. You are supreme and you are just. And God, help us today to focus on you, the one who opens doors that no man can open and shuts doors that no man can shut. God, help us today to be consistent and be faithful, understanding that you are the rewarder of those who diligently seek you, that are consistent with seeking you. And God, today I pray that some of us who want to fight back so bad, will you please be our advocate? Teach us what it means to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God, as we worship you in this place and declare that you are great, let us focus on your greatness. Focus on your power, Lord. Because Jesus, you are the authority. You are the one that rules and reigns. Church, if you will, as Timothy sings this song, Greater You, Lord, I want you just to lift your hands and lift your hearts and declare in your situation that he is great. He is supreme. Let's worship him. And great are-